a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn new end. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. I do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, and I am coming to you from historic, lovely, beautiful Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the area, we are not too far off from Knoxville. We're here in East Tennessee. Uh, literally right up against the eastern time zone uh, as it switches over to the central time zone. So I'm still in the eastern, technically. But I probably can drive a shorter distance to get to the central time zone than I can to get to Knoxville. So, eh, what are you going to do? All right, uh, guys, uh, what do you say we actually jump into things? First and foremost, uh, be sure to stay tuned. In the second part of this uh, first hour, I'm going to bring to you a conversation I had just a little while ago with the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio, the radio chickadee, Annie Hubellis. And uh, we had a, a brief conversation, and, you know, we could have went on quite a bit longer, but I always feel so guilty. She's been so good to me over the years, and, and for her to continue to be so good to me, it, it just... If I monopolized her time the way I wanted to, well, then she wouldn't have time to do her own show or much of anything else. I'm just that 
greedy. <laughs> anyway, love talking to Annie. Annie's a lot of fun. She's a hoot. And uh, we'll have that conversation uh, at the bottom of this first hour. I wanted to start at the top of the hour, though, uh, talking about Biden's big Department of Justice moves in an effort to challenge states over abortion laws with a new task force. Yes, that's what they're going to do. Now, I'm actually in a strange kind of situation here. Most of the time when I come to you, because I don't broadcast every day, I do typically two hours and I take a day off in between, uh, usually I find myself jumping into new stuff. But I find myself tonight wanting to talk more about stuff that happened on Wednesday than I do uh, the stuff that actually happened today. So bear with me as I have that discussion. Uh, going to bring you back. Some of this is stuff that you probably have already heard. Some of this is stuff that you're probably going to have mood past by the time you get to hear this. But it's important stuff, and I definitely wanted to talk about it, starting with the fact that the Department of Justice has officially announced the launch of a brand new task force. They made this announcement back on Tuesday. Uh, this new task force is going to promote abortion across the country and could, is the language they use, but you know they will challenge certain states' laws when it comes to new abortion restrictions. Or the snap back into place of old ones. Now this task force is called, uh, and probably not a surprise, we know what the government likes to do when they're naming things. Uh, what's the, the best sounding name that is remotely similar to what we're actually going to do, even though it's probably the exact opposite? Well, they've done it here. They call this new task force Reproductive Rights Task Force. Now, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the the reason why they call this reproductive rights. They're literally trying to exercise the right not to reproduce when they try to promote the murder of preborn baby humans, right? That, that That is what they're trying to do. They're not fighting for reproductive rights. They're fighting for non-reproduction. Okay, anyway. This task force will use resources and manpower from the Department of Justice to, and I quote, protect access to reproductive health uh, since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade back in June. Uh, naturally, that's the point, right? Oh, health care. They're just trying to protect health care, y'all. Anyway, quoting here from Associate Attorney General Gupta. As Attorney General Garland has said, the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision is a devastating blow to reproductive freedom in the United States. The court abandoned 50 years of precedent and took away the constitutional right to abortion, preventing women all over the country from being able to make critical decisions about our bodies, our health, and our futures. Except they've done literally none of that. Not, not, not any of it. Not one bit of that is a true statement. None of it. Nope. Uh, 50 years of precedent. Okay, I'll give them that. They abandoned 50 years of precedent. But it was bad precedent. So that part was true. So I'll backtrack a little bit. That part was, in fact, true. 
That's the only part that was true. They, they said uh, 50 years of bad precedent is long enough. Got to be done. They did not take away a constitutional right because there is no constitutional right to murder pre-born baby humans. It just does not exist. And therefore, they could not have taken it away. What they did was correct an erroneous decision by a previous court nearly half a century ago uh, when they somehow decided to magically find it in there, and it was quite a stretch. I'm sorry, but even if Ruth Bader Ginsburg says uh, that's not very good law as far as the train of thinking and the, the way the determination was built in the first place— I mean, never mind the fact that technically Casey had moved us past Roe. Casey was overturned as well. Casey was even worse than Roe as far as how it was built upon Roe. But when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, no friend to the left, I'm sorry, no friend to the right, uh, certainly uh, an activist judge by most definitions, when she comes out and says, eh, not very good judiciary thinking, then you probably ought to take that at face value. Just saying, lefties. Just saying. So there was no constitutional right to begin with. Uh, this court just corrected the error of pretending like there was. Preventing women all over the country from being able to make critical decisions about our bodies. Uh, how so? How so? Because you still have the the ability to make the critical decision to, I don't know, avoid getting pregnant in the first place if you're not ready to have a child. Now, Tim, stop it. You know that they're worried about the life of the mother. You know they're worried about rape and incest. How dare you be so inhumane? Stop arguing the outside. Stop arguing about the edges, the extreme, and let's start arguing what they actually want. You know why they don't? They don't argue that we want abortion on demand all the time up to and even immediately after the birth of the child because that's inhuman, demonic behavior, and they know the average American doesn't support that. They love being able to try to tell us that the majority of Americans support Roe v. Wade because there's this mistaken idea that most Americans had that Roe v. Wade being overturned meant automatically abortion was illegal. Uh, not the case. Don't know why people didn't understand that. Thank goodness that most of the people listening to this broadcast do understand that's simply not the case. But beyond that... What else are we talking about? We are talking about the fact that Roe v. Wade uh, did establish this viability idea. Casey kind of changed it up, redirected it a little bit, and allowed you to go a little further down the road. But most Americans that actually do support the idea of abortions being available, not being very restricted, are really only okay with that non-restrictive behavior up until about the end of the first trimester. Somehow, these people have managed to convince themselves that eh, maybe they're right when they say it's just a clump of cells up until that point. Well, technically, they are right. But guess what? By that same definition, you're never more than just a clump of cells. As I've pointed out before, to make that argument, you are ignoring the human soul. You are ignoring the spark of the divine that exists within all of us, something that the left likes to bring out when they're talking about illegal migrants who happen to be members of certain violent gangs. 
MS-13, not to name anybody, uh, Nancy Pelosi, when they talk about the spark of the divine, they don't talk about the spark of the divine when they're talking about Donald Trump, strangely enough, and they certainly don't talk about the spark of the divine when they talk about Tim Tapp. Uh, not that I know that Nancy Pelosi's ever actually talked about Tim Tapp to begin with, but if she did, I assure you, it wouldn't be much different than how she talks about Trump. Anyway... Nobody is preventing women from making critical decisions. We're just asking you to make your choices earlier. Choose not to become pregnant in the first place. That's why the overwhelming majority of states, even the most restrictive states, have exceptions for life of the mother. That's why they have exceptions for rape and incest. Not all of them do. Some of them are more restrictive, but life of the mother is almost Universal. In fact, the only reason I say almost is because I haven't taken the time to look at every single law across all 50 states. But I'm pretty sure they all have that exemption. But there might be one I haven't come across yet that doesn't. And in that case, what are you guys thinking? I mean, in that case, it literally does come down to a self-defense thing. And you probably ought to make that exemption. Now, I'm not real big on the rape and incest idea because uh, at first I used to be very sympathetic to that argument. But the more I think about it, the more I realize there are a ton of folks out there that would legitimately love to adopt. And that I'm not a big fan of the idea, the concept of uh, sins of the father. Don't blame the child for something the father did or something the mother did in some of these cases. But. Yeah, it's just, it's so ridiculous. Gupta added that this new initiative was part of the department's commitment to protecting abortion because, you know, they completely ignored what the Dobbs decision actually says. Again, I'll remind you, I wrote this nice little op-ed piece, been picked up in a, a few places. Uh, you can find it. At BizPack Review, you can find it. Uh, I prefer you go look for it over at conservativedailybriefing.com, uh, uh, Ken Crow's site, uh, just because they didn't – Ken didn't edit mine hardly at all. He, he made a few little uh, minor edit changes. Uh, BizPack, they even uh, switched up my title because they just didn't like the inference uh, of the uh, verbiage in the title <laughs> at any rate. Uh, you can find it at either place, and there's a couple more places that are uh, talking about picking it up. We'll see what happens. But I was making the case that the HHS secretary was planning on breaking the law. Well, now, obviously, here we are with the DOJ planning on breaking the law. When I first came across this story, I posted it across all the social media that I'm a part of, except for I think may not have put it on LinkedIn. I try not to put too much over there just in case I have to go find a job someday. Uh, <laughs> although I do share the show over there, so I guess it really doesn't matter. I probably should go ahead and do it. I just figure I'm more likely to get banned at LinkedIn, believe it or not, than I am over at Facebook just because I have a bigger reach. Uh, who knew? But the point still being how do you fight back when it's the Department of Justice that's behaving lawlessly? Well, the answer there, of course, is one court case at a time, one election at a time. We have to vote people in that are never going to allow somebody like Becerra, like Garland, 
not going to allow these people to be in a position to do this type of lawlessness. That are going to recognize the fact that the Dobbs decision doesn't say, oh, we had abortion, no more abortion. I would have loved it if that's what they did say, because that's pretty much where I'm at. Easy for me to say, right? So, you know, I'm a white cisgender male, so take my opinion with a grain of salt. You may say, I don't even have the right to have an opinion. I don't have a right to speak on the matter. But you're wrong. I'm allowed to talk about it. I'm allowed to have an opinion about it because I'm an American citizen. I understand that it is part of my charged duty, as part of my responsibility as a human being and as a child of God to try to protect the innocent. And I can't think of a uh, less uh, prepared to defend themselves group anywhere in the world than the pre-born baby humans. When you talk about the least of these, uh, who is more less? Who is more least? That's the right word here. I mean, it, less is not actually the right usage there. Who's the more least than the pre-born? They have no voice yet. They have no ability to defend themselves. And they expect their mothers to be their first protectors, not the one who's going to turn loose a so-called medical professional to come charging in with some type of instrument to start ripping body parts off of them until there's nothing left and eventually crush the skull and get a little gray goo coming out. It's horrific. It's barbaric what they do. The DOJ here says that it would challenge states who banned the abortions, including drug, uh, the mesoprestone, the, the primary one, uh, which the agency claims would contrast with the Food and Drug Administration's expert judgment about its safety and efficiency. Now, that's a stretch. It has nothing to do with the FDA. So the FDA can sign off on it all day long, but if a state says uh, we're going to be very restrictive of abortions and that's going to include the sale of drugs in our state or even the distribution of drugs in our state that may cause an abortion, that maybe even has an off-label use for that, uh, I mean, let's face facts, uh, there's a ton of drugs that are restricted, a ton of drugs that the FDA FDA has not approved because they can potentially cause birth defects and can potentially cause miscarriage. So are we going to see the federal government put pressure on the FDA now, uh, demand that the FDA go ahead and start approving some of them so that they can use it as a an off-label use to try to help them create abortions? That's the kind of demonic mindset these leftists have. I mean, pro-life advocates here say that uh, aside from the obvious danger to the unborn child, I prefer the term pre-born, there also could be dangers to the mother uh, from drugs like this. So if there is some effort at a state level to restrict the use of these drugs, uh, aren't we back to the life of the mother and the quality of life issues that's primary arguments for trying to end these pre-born lives? According to the DOJ, some of the task force work will be proactive, that it will involve working with reproductive service providers. Reproductive service providers. You get that? You're talking about Planned Parenthood and similar organizations, but they're talking about Planned Parenthood. 
which is not a reproductive services provider. And again, just like the name of the task force, what they do is they try to prevent reproduction. That's kind of always been their stick, although they tried to sneak their way into schools in the 1980s and the early 90s by pretending like we're just trying to help make sure that when teens become sexually active, they don't find themselves burdened with unwanted pregnancies. So we're trying to help them to learn sex education and proper use of contraception. Now, their plan to become the largest abortion provider in the world was always the plan. From the earliest days of Margaret Sanger, who created Planned Parenthood again, not to abort white babies, not to abort uh, children of substance and, and of stature, but to abort black babies. Literally, Planned Parenthood as we actually kind of made the point when I was talking to Annie earlier, which we'll play here in just a little bit, Planned Parenthood actually planned on committing a genocide against blacks in the United States, and she would have went international had she had the opportunity. The department's also going to be encouraging Congress to pass abortion legislation, a move that even Joe Biden himself has consistently urged for, uh, in addition to legislation codifying Roe. Except what happens when somebody challenges this law? Oh yeah, if it goes back in front of the court and the court's still made up primarily as it is now, you're going to have these laws overturned. Somebody will challenge them at this point, and they're going to challenge them as quickly as possible to try to get them in front of a court that is made up of the same justices. Because, again, the Dobbs ruling wasn't that, hey, no more abortion. The ruling was, this is not a federal issue. So, again, we have resources of the federal government and taxpayer dollars being spent in an effort to protect and promote and perhaps in some cases even provide abortions. And in my mind, if you're helping to finance transportation from a more restrictive state to a less restrictive state, then you are, in fact, providing the service because you are making the service happen. I know that's not the legal definition, but uh, if they're allowed to stretch stuff, why am I not? It's just a legitimate question. So here we are. This is a violation of the law. We have laws in place that prevents taxpayer dollars from being spent directly on abortion. We've seen creative accounting being done by organizations like Planned Parenthood so that uh, our taxpayer dollars can be sent to them, and they just simply make the claim that, well, you know, we're not using those dollars in providing the abortions, so it's okay. Even though any dollars spent in support of Planned Parenthood in any of their functions is essentially making available all of their services, including the abortion. Taxpayer dollars should not be going there. Besides, Planned Parenthood still gets millions of dollars every year from the private sector. A bunch of bullied 
organizations in some cases and uh, several just woke organizations that can't wait to throw their money at the organization so that uh, Planned Parenthood can continue their mission of genocide against black Americans and the murder of pre-born baby humans. That is their goal. So this is, no matter how you cut it, lawlessness coming from the Biden DOJ. But then when you take a long, hard look at the Biden crime family, what else would you expect? Let's take that mid-hour break a little early, shall we? We'll take it a little early, and then when we come back, I will give you my conversation just a little while ago with the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio, Annie Ubelis. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I'm Jill Biden's husband. Thank you. Thank you, George. Just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. If nations are to be judged by how they treat their children, then the United States could be in big heap of trouble. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Once upon a time, children in America were seen as little innocent ones who needed proper guidance and were to be cherished because it was the right thing to do. Parents were at one time bound by their God-given duty and privilege to raise their children in the way that they should go so that they would not permanently depart from the goals to live a life of high morals, belief in God, and to be a positive contributor to society. Lurking in the shadows, however, are those of leftist ideology, which centrals around personal, national and global destruction. Today, some parents and numerous educators participate in grooming little children for living an unnatural lifestyle of sexual confusion, hatred of themselves, hatred of God, country, and the family. Many young students in San Francisco are forced via adult negligence to walk through blocks of brutish and filthy homeless adults and their sidewalk excrement. Wake up, America! How you treat your children will dictate our nation's future. I'm Ron Edwards. Brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the, foot, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Mm-hmm. 
in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, this is Tom Caldwell, innocent January 6th defendant and proud Navy veteran. You're listening to The Voice of Reasons. Indeed, the NSA is always watching me. Started under the Obama administration, continued under the Trump administration, not because Trump was worried about what I had to say, but because the deep state still had control of the NSA. And it has gotten even worse under the Biden administration. Uh, Definitely want to give a hat tip to Tom Caldwell for recognizing me as one of the voices of reason. Uh, Perhaps... It says more about his... Anyway, uh, what we really want to do... I need to get uh, Tom on the show. Uh, we definitely need to have the conversation. Uh, we've reached out. We've had some communication. We haven't been able to finalize anything, but I am working on it. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Doug, a.k.a. the Crazy Cajun, uh, who uh, has actually been doing intermediary work there. And I want to thank him again for all the great work he does with some of these liners and, and the things that we're doing there. Before we get back uh, to the show and the uh, conversation with Annie, I want to uh, give you a, a very brief, brief discussion. Uh, well, not a discussion. I want to give you a heads up about a great product. Uh, I've promoted it here before. I want to promote it to you again. There will be a link in the show description. If you follow that link, they'll know I sent you. You'll get a really good deal on the Hero Grill System, one of the great things that you can get over at Fire and Flavor. Now, the Hero Grill System was designed to be the easiest compact grill, a portable charcoal grill specifically on the market, and it includes a rugged carry case, a bamboo cutting board, innovative hero charcoal pods, basically everything that captures the mess and, and helps you to grill as easy and the most convenient way as possible. So whether you're going to the park or if you're going camping, it is just a way to make your grilling adventure uh, fantastic. They've got tons of stuff, including a lot of great recipes, uh, a lot of great uh, dry rubs and some brines and, and just all kinds of stuff. So just follow the link. Go see everything they've got to offer. And keep in mind, too, if you're one of these folks that likes your outdoor adventures but you still want to be eco-friendly when you're out there, again, that's one of the primary concerns of fire and flavor. Uh, they're a little tree-huggy to, for my taste, but you know what? they got a great product. And uh, their heart's in the right place, too. So I, I got no problems with them, boys and girls. Uh, be sure to check it out. Follow that link. And uh, if you're listening to the uh, show being rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, uh, meaning that you don't have a show description to click, uh, just scroll down and look and follow the link. And then just come visit me over at Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, IntoTheTruth.com. And from there, you'll land on the homepage. Scroll down past recent guests. And once you get past the recent guest section, you will see exactly where you need to be. 
<laughs> uh, you'll see one of the fire and flavor banners. Just click on that. It'll work just the same. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to try to get at least most, if not all, of the, my conversation with Annie in, in this first half. If I can't finish it in the hour, we will finish it in the second hour. So for those of you that are listening to Terrestrial Radio, you may not get to hear that unless you track down the podcast. So by all means, please do so. Kind of my cliffhanger thing. Get to hear the rest of Annie's conversation by tracking down the podcast. I will get you guys listening to me <laughs> one way or another. And while we're at it, let's talk about uh, signing up for the Tap into the Truth uh, community over at Locals.com. I'm still getting some – people don't seem to understand Locals. A lot of folks that are already over there, they get it. They know it, it's just a place to build communities. But I still talk to people every day that thinks Locals.com is like a dating site or something. It's not a dating site, guys. It's just a place where folks are going to find like-minded individuals to build a community. Uh, please come join the Tap Into the Truth community. That's Locals.com. I uh, will include a link to that in the show description as well. Meanwhile, uh, here was my uh, conversation with Ann Ubellis just earlier today. Uh, and uh, remember, uh, we are coming back off of a break. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for staying with me uh, today. And uh, it is indeed my honor and pleasure to once again welcome back to the show uh, the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. Uh, it is indeed Annie, the radio chickadee, uh, Ubellis. And you know, Annie, I have almost... Not quite, but almost got in use to calling her the radio chickadee. Uh, it took a long time to get used to calling you the radio chick, and it's hard to, to make that uh, transition. But I'm almost there. Uh, how, how are you, Annie? I, I'm just ducky. I'm the radio chick. <laughs> a D. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, I've been meaning to reach out to you for a little bit, and... Uh, and then I did reach out to you last week, and I fell ill, and we weren't able to get together. I still wanted to have a, a conversation in regards to what happened with these Republicans that just decided that they were going to give Joe Biden a victory, give Democrats a victory, and turn their back on the Second Amendment. And the reason I thought about you first is because, once again, we have seen uh, – Lindsey Graham do his usual shenanigan where the closer he gets to re-election time, all of a sudden he rebrands himself as an actual conservative. But the further away he is, the more willing he is to negotiate and be squishy. And if you're not in the state of South Carolina, maybe you don't notice it as much. But uh, I know you've already been fighting your ups and downs with him, and that's what made me think you're the person I need to talk to. So let's start first with your thoughts about these Republicans who seem to have turned their back on the Second Amendment, and then we'll get a little more specific about the uh, the feeling in South Carolina regarding Lindsey Graham's involvement with that. Well, when you include in that group of Republicans that voted for this Biden bill, another way to describe it, you've got Liz Cheney. She's no Republican. Adam Kinzinger, no Republican. Tom Rice here in South Carolina, who lost his primary to a conservative, no Republican. We can go down the whole list. And then you bring up my senator, Lamesy Gramnesty, who I, that's who I call. And by the way, I am persona non grata in his office. So that's how well we get along, because I have gone physically nose to nose and toe to toe with him at one of his fundraisers, and that didn't go over too well. 
Um, I don't know why uh, he keeps getting voted. Actually, I, that's a lie. I do know why he keeps getting voted in. Because South Carolina primaries are open primaries. They are not closed. They are not aligned strictly to party lines. Right. So all Lindsey Graham, or Lamesy Gramnesty as I call him, he has to cater to those Democrats that waffle or are willing to cross over, and they will vote for him in the primary and then help reelect him because they know he will kiss their other loving butts and forget about the rest of us. Yeah. I, it's... It's just still very mind-boggling that we have so many states that don't have closed primaries. Tennessee, where I'm at, is another one of those states. Now, it, it is just – it makes me want to scream, Annie. Uh, these people get involved, and now there's organized efforts. There has been for the last several election cycles uh, for Democrats to get in and either elect somebody that they think is so far extremist – in a Republican primary that there's no way that they could win the general or they want to promote a a candidate that they know is technically one of them. They're okay with a rhino getting the W if they think they don't have a chance of getting their own folks to win. And there really does need to be something done about that in every state where this is permitted. And the only place I see any wiggle room at all there is if you are legitimately somebody that doesn't have a true party affiliation. And, And in those cases, I just don't think you should be voting in a primary period. Uh, what would you think about that? Well, when I was living in New York, that's exactly what happened. If you had no party affiliation, you could not vote in the party primary. And you had to register by your party. So when I first registered to vote, I registered as a Republican. And I voted in the primary for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> so that's how conservative I am. And that also dates me. <laughs> uh, he didn't lose that, win that election, uh, but it, it should be that way. What is the point of having a political party if you do not allow the members of that political party to control the dynamic and the policies of that party? It, 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 what is the point of having a political party at that point? Why don't you just switch to what Alaska does and have rank voting? So it doesn't matter what your political party is, or whoever's the most popular person in that election will win, no matter whether or not they have good policies. Yeah, that sounds a little too much like raw democracy, Annie. That scares me, uh, not because I'm afraid of democracy, but because I know what always happens with democracy, and that is ultimately they fall apart uh, because – at the end of the day, it's still just two wolves and a sheep getting together to decide what to have for dinner. Uh, an old adage that I refuse to stop saying. <laughs> no, a democracy is the first step towards tyranny. Yeah. It is it's purely mob rule. And I re- recently did a Frank Luntz uh, session about the elections. And when I first heard about it, I said, well, you know, originally, if you think about the way Alaska does it, that's what our founding fathers had in mind when they said they really did not want to see political parties. They wanted the popular voice of the people to rule. So we, the people, will have our voice. But what has happened to our electoral system, what may have been a great idea for our founding fathers, has actually devolved into democracy and one step towards tyranny. 
Yeah, it, it is tragic how few people are uh, educated uh, to the differences. And, you know, we constantly hear our democracy, our democracy. It drives me nuts, Annie. Uh, you it's know, a republic, you idiot, <laughs> if we can keep it. Exactly. Uh, you know, we we see all this going on, and I still I think ultimately this is what we have to discuss in order to get rid of the rhinos, uh, which in turn leaves our Constitution in much stronger shape. Uh, I'm greatly concerned when I see people that are held up as academic uh, intellectuals, uh, academic leaders, as uh, being individuals that can go on television and say things like, well, the Constitution's kind of garbage. It's like, mm, no, your ability no. to critical think is kind of garbage, but uh, <laughs> didn't want to cut you <laughs> off. Go ahead, Annie. No, no, no. I was going to say, you know, we need to get the intellectuals out of the political process. Bring back the common man. Yeah. Bring back the soldier politician. Bring back those that are politically uh, neophytes that have more connection to we the people who have held jobs. Not the Bernie Sanders who have never held an actual job, just managed to get themselves elected into office time and time again. We need to get rid of those AOCs, a bartender working for an illegal bar without any liquor license, and she's proud of that. You know, you break the law, and you're proud of that. Oh, by the way, she forgot to pay her taxes. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, we need to get rid of these people and bring our political process back to we the people. But before we can even do that, we have to break down the regulation machine that our government has become. It doesn't matter what we vote at this point in time, and that's the really sorry thing, because there's so many alphabet soup agencies within the government. That, they will keep on grinding away and grinding away. They don't care who gets elected to office. They have a perpetual job, and all they have to do is kick out these regulations to have the power of actual law and they actually will run the government. That's the shadow government we need to get rid of before we, the people, can take control back of our government. All right. And that's actually the perfect transition to the next topic because that plays in very much. Uh, we, we're kind of building on uh, the uh, topics as we move along because we've got to be able to, first of all, get rid of the rhinos. Uh, we've got to readdress. Uh, I would love to see a return in the Democratic Party to people that actually love America and believe in the institutions because that next institution we need to talk about is the Supreme Court. We have literally seen uh, people like Elizabeth Warren losing her mind, uh, although I, I suppose you could make an argument she already had some time ago, Miss Pocahontas. Did she ever have one? All right. Well, yeah, I make the case that at some point she must have in order to have had her career before she got into politics. But even then, highly uh, academic area, maybe I'm overestimating, giving her too much credit. I, I don't know. But uh, we, we've seen her do this, and we see all this because of the uh, Dobbs uh, ruling, uh, the Supreme Court. And then they also followed up. You mentioned the administrative state, the uh, the deep state, as uh, those of us uh, that are uh, in the business sometimes like to refer to them. Uh, 
we've seen some uh, movement there as well from the Supreme Court, basically telling the EPA, uh, no, uh, this is not within your power. Uh, this is the place for Congress. Uh, all of this is driving these folks nuts. They don't like it. But what's most concerning to me right now is this direct effort by Joe Biden and everyone in his administration now being tasked with finding ways, finding workarounds to help protect abortion in the states where they're going to be a little more restrictive, despite the fact the Supreme Court has told them point blank, uh, this is a state issue. It's not your role to support. It's not your role to detract. It's not our business at all. I even wrote an article not too long ago, a little op-ed piece about Becerra, HHS uh, secretary, uh, whether or not he was actually planning on breaking the law because, you know, we do have uh, certain laws in place that prevent the use, direct use of taxpayer dollars being spent to uh, provide or promote abortions. In in my mind, if you are providing transportation, then you are providing uh, that service. So, what is uh, your feeling on this? Because I, I know this is another one of those issues that you pay close attention to. Well, let it put. Let me put it this way: um, I created a T-shirt, and I, I, one of these days I will put it up onto my website or store. That on the front of it says, "I thank God, my mother chose life." Mm-hmm. That should say exactly where I stand. However, those that are pro-choice have distorted the argument to the point where the public doesn't understand what the heart of the issue is because the mass media lying machine has distorted the argument. It is a state issue, period, end of report. It is not one of the 13 enumerated powers of the Constitution. And our government time and time and time again has violated the Constitution and the enumerated powers. And no one has ever called them to task on that. These massive agencies that we have throughout government are complete violations of the 13 enumerated powers. Even legislation they attempted to pass where it stated you must state in your legislation you're you're putting before us what the enumerated power is that allows us to act on that. And we can't even get that done. How can we have an honest open discussion about pro-choice versus pro-life, state issues versus federal government overreach. We can't have that debate because no one has ever played by the rules to begin with in this debate. And we need to find some way to take the conversation back and, excuse my language, but bitch slap the other side into playing by the rules. And they're not. Perfect example is they made this whole big thing about this uh, this innocent girl. And she's right smack in the middle of the, the whole argument. She's being tossed around like a tennis ball across a match. She was nine years old and raped by an illegal immigrant several times. I believe at minimum of two times. He impregnates her. She is pregnant at the age of 10. And her parents are seeking an abortion for her. She's traumatized by the rape. She's traumatized by the by the pregnancy. She is traumatized now being placed in the public spotlight as a pawn in a game. And no one's talking about the heart of the matter. There's an innocent child forming in that poor girl's womb that is guilty of no crime. And, oh, wait a minute, 
my choice, my body is their argument. Then don't force a vaccine on me because it's my body, my choice. They distort the argument and they will do anything and everything to, to play the heartstrings of the public. And there are people out there that are so damn gullible they'll fall for it. We have to take the argument back and find a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah the, talking about this, I would imagine this story is going to go away fairly quickly now because, you know, the media and the left's not going to want to have that broader conversation about uh, maybe having a lot of uh, undocumented illegal migrants in the country where we can't control our border, where we don't know their criminal backgrounds, where we have no say in whether they're here or not. Maybe that's not a good thing. Uh, So they don't want to have that conversation. So I think uh, while the damage has already been done for this girl, you're absolutely right about that story and how the traumatization of being put in this position, uh, I, I do think that we're going to see them move around. But there's two other points with what you brought up. Uh, number one, they do want to uh, argue around the edges. First and foremost, uh, in the state of Ohio, there is a life of the mother provision that would still permit uh, abortion in that case. So it really wasn't necessary for her to have to go to Illinois to get this under these normal circumstances. I think they chose to mostly because it was an effort to try to shield this girl and, of course, leave it to a left-leaning pro-murder-the-pre-born-baby-humans position in Illinois to make this public. But they also must, they must argue around the edges and show something that's so sympathetic. How could you not feel bad for this girl Uh, Obviously, you don't feel bad enough to leave her alone and not make her a focal point of the discussion Uh, instead of actually discussing the fact that what they really want is just abortion on demand at any point, including immediately after birth. They they refuse to answer those questions. We saw that in the the congressional testimony over the last few days. Uh, They refuse to define what a woman even is. So none of these people have a legitimate place to stand on their argument. But you are absolutely right once again. If we are going to continue to argue that the sins of the father uh, are legitimate grounds to murder the child regardless of what stage, then you're on your own on that one. I I can't stand with you. Uh, If if you're going to make an argument about life of the mother, okay, that might be legitimate. But life of the mother, incest, rape, all these other around-the-edge discussions and points they try to argue all the time instead of what they actually want, that makes up less than 1% of all abortions that are carried out. And it's been that way for better than two decades, Annie. So when are we going to have that honest discussion? Why does it take somebody like you or me to bring those points up instead of the media doing because it doesn't sell the message and and it would actually if we had that honest conversation kill a massive money making machine called Planned Parenthood and all the other subsidiary industries that form itself around the pro-choice the pharmaceutical companies and all the other lobbyists that support this no 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 they'll lose their cash cow and we are pulling at the horns of that cash cow, and I'm hoping that we can rip those horns off and expose it for what it is. And that's what it is. You follow the Benjamins, and you find the heart of their argument.
Yeah. Uh, taxpayer dollars funneled into Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood funnels uh, a lot of those dollars into the coffers of Democratic candidates and office holders. Uh, oh, oh, don't forget about the baby parts that Planned Parenthood has been selling for Boku bucks. Right. And when uh, Project Veritas tries to expose it, they're the ones who get uh, <laughs> brought up on charges and felonies are filed, uh, even though there are laws on the books in every state against what they're doing. Uh, yeah, it is it is basically the money. They whine about we're trying to protect uh, women's uh, health, but at the end of the day, it's about money for them. And it almost feels like uh, in some cases when you hear somebody like Nancy Pelosi talk about it, uh, maybe where she's sold her soul to darker forces, uh, part of the tribute to them. Uh, is... no, but ask yourself this other question, because Mar- Margaret Sanger, the mother of Planned Parenthood, was was a bigot. She wanted to destroy the black race. So why are the vast majority, 65 percent of the, 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 the abortions on done on black children? Where is black lives matter when these children are? are being slaughtered. It's a pure genocidal machine. Does anyone bring that up? Besides being a cash cow, why are Planned Parenthoods showing up in poor neighborhoods, in Hispanic and black neighborhoods, and you don't see them in the white upscale neighborhoods? Oh, no, no, no not on that liberal side of the street. Yeah. No, no, no. We're going to be pandering to the Democratic base in the poor neighborhoods. We're here to help you to alleviate your suffering. So let's take off your hands that other child who you can't afford to feed. So we're doing you a favor. No, you're committing genocide, pure and simple. And you're doing it to make a profit. Yeah. And, and if you need any further evidence of what the agenda is, all you have to do is look at places like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, New Orleans. Uh, some of these cities, they, they've all been controlled by Democrats for decades. But some of these cities, uh, New York in particular, uh, more black babies are aborted than are born. And in all the other cities I named, the numbers are awful close. Several of those cities now, uh, within the next couple of years, it would be surprising if they're not in that same situation. So, yeah, I, clearly this is a genocide. It's not a case of hyperbole. Annie, you are spot on with the definition. Um, transitioning a little bit more, you know, I, I, I hate to do this because I, I do have to give some credit where credit's due. Joe Biden has – he's been a record-breaking president. He has been record-setting, all of which – Terrible, terrible. He's been smashing all the worst records ever. He's finally got uh, Jimmy Carter looking like <laughs> he might not have been that bad. <laughs> but I do have to give him some props for his visit to 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 our good friend Israel. He actually did a few good things. Uh, he's actually seems to be standing up to the woke base about – how uh, it may saying that Israel is our friend and ally that we need to to be sure he seems to actually be kind of moving towards being supportive of the Abraham Accords now, whereas at first he was very much against it. And he did a really classy thing uh, when there was a couple of uh, Holocaust survivors at uh, one of these little press briefings 
where they were going to stand up to be recognized. And he actually did a very classy thing. I don't know how much this was his handlers and how much this was him. But instead of having them stand up, he had them set back down, and he knelt down to them. And, and so in complete fairness, when somebody does something that is clearly a good thing, a class thing, uh, I have to recognize it. But with that being said, <laughs> unless you want to comment about that too, and feel free to. I would take all of that with a huge grain of thought, salt. Because mm-hmm. the moment he gets back on the airplane and his handlers and his press corps go, uh, press corps, his, his, what do you call it? Oh, Kamishkiyama. Uh, the, the people that talk for him to yeah. the press. The press You secretary. know what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. Brain fart here. It's the gray hairs. Uh, <laughs> but I'm telling you, they're going to put a different spin on it. it, with, it within less than eight hours, I guarantee you that one. It's going to fall through. It's all hollow words. And mark my words, Iran is watching. Yeah. Iran is watching. And when they he, they see that the words are actually, in truth, hollow, we are going to be in for a world of hurt. Yeah, I, I don't expect to see it move into policy. But as hollow as the words were, he did say them. They're on tape. We've got them. And at the very least, we can play sound bites to say, well, see, even – when he's abroad, he recognizes the truth. But the uh, the other truth here is also that Saudi Arabia and uh, Israel seem to be moving closer together anyway. Uh, the previous members of the Abraham, they seem to finally realize their biggest adversary in the region is Iran. And it would be great if our administration would wake up to that fact. But with all that going on, we still have to recognize a very interesting fact. We we seem to be getting closer and closer to the announcement from Donald Trump that it will be running. I'd be very surprised at this point if he doesn't make it. But at the same time, we are seeing uh, the groundwork being laid. It looks as if a majority of Democrats are ready to bail on Biden. I, they don't have a particularly deep bench, not real sure where they're going to go at. We even had this ridiculous poll come out that said that Kamala Harris beats Ron DeSantis head to head. I don't know who they polled. It must have been. I, I want some of that wacky weed, please. Yeah. I, that must be some really good stuff. <laughs> I, I think they must have only asked like eight people and they were all part of Kamala's family. <laughs> There's no other way. But what do you uh, make of this uh, effort now? Uh, from the left, and how serious do you think it is? And if we could see them kind of dump Joe, who do you think they might actually end up with running uh, in that order? Well, if they can pull their heads out of their posterior, the smart move would be to go after someone like Joe Manchin. That would be the smart move. That would be the only person I, off the top of my head, just thinking split second, that has any chance to truly challenge Trump. All right, I'm going to interrupt right here just to say I'm going to continue this interview, and I'm going to just do the remainder of the time without actually splitting up the hour. I'm going to do this because, you know, the second hour doesn't normally get played on terrestrial radio, and if you're listening to the podcast, it just goes straight in. Doug is probably going to shoot me. Because he still tries to do this. But uh, sorry, Doug, I'm going to make this uh, call. But I'm going to interrupt right here so that I can say, if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, someplace like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, uh, come find the podcast to finish hearing this interview and the remainder of tonight's broadcast. 
There's a really good chance you won't get to hear it otherwise. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Now back to Ann Ubelis. Because Manchin can then unite both sides. Even within the Republican Party, those that battle between pro-Trump, anti-Trump, he can pull them all together. And that might be a unifying thing. Uh, if if he were to win. It, it, but I don't think the Democratic Party is that smart. And I don't think Manchin really wants to be put in the middle there. Um, he's good for his state because he's able to work across the aisle. He sees the logic and he sees the insanity. I, I, for a Democrat, he's a good man. And he's a man with an honest heart. And I give him credit for that. I may not agree with everything he does, but I do respect him. And that's what the Democrats need, someone that even we respect. And I don't think they they have it in them. I really don't think they have it in them in the hierarchy within the Democratic Party. Yeah, I know I was talking with Ken Crow the other day, and uh, he put out his Democratic dream team, said if they were smart, here's what they do. Joe Manchin at the top, Tulsi Gabbard as the VP. Oh, yes, yes, exactly, exactly, the dream team ticket. I mean, that would be tough to beat because they actually are exactly what the Biden campaign promised he would be. Moderate, in the middle, unifying, understanding that there must be balance. And, you know, for the most part, they're they're both kind of throwbacks. Uh, Joe Manchin, actually not so much a throwback. He's actually old enough to have been one of those what they call blue dog Democrats now. But actually somebody that actually loved America. Wanted what was best, just kind of disagreed with what the role of government should be. Uh, And Tulsi, she seems to be fiscal conservative. Uh, In fact, if she had been from any other state besides Hawaii, I'm pretty sure she would have ran as a moderate Republican as opposed to a Democrat. But, you know, in Hawaii, you can't get elected dog catcher (laughs) as a Republican. (laughs) It's not going to happen. They send people like uh, this chick – Hereza, Harona, I can't. I, I Harona, yeah. Harona, yeah. Who seems to think that we have no way of knowing what the founding fathers actually thought. Uh, try reading a book. Or the Federalist <laughs> Papers, now, yeah. Uh, there's, there's plenty of documentation, so oh, we yeah. know exactly. But uh, at any rate, uh, what what would you feel like, though, they do end up with? Because I, I don't think they want Kamala. She, she just... She's bad for a second-grade teacher. That's disparaging to to teachers at low levels. But she always sounds like she's talking to somebody who doesn't understand anything. Everything from her explanation uh, to the black community of uh, Russia invading uh, Ukraine to uh, her most recent uh, discussion about uh, just – how important it is for things to be important. You know, <laughs> she's by now. But so do we end up with a Gavin Newsom? Uh, you know, he's, he's already trying uh, to send. You, you're probably fine. The, the, the going in to throw, toss their hat into the Democratic race, you're going to see the usual suspects. Uh, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Gavin Newsom. You're going to see that cadre coming in. You'll probably even see AOC throw her hat in because by the time it's election, you know, she'll be old enough to to fit the constitutional requirements. Um, you're going to see a lot of the extreme left wing come out and throw their hats in. 
Um, if anyone that is a blue dog Democrat runs, they may clear the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't see anyone wanting to stick their neck out that much. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's there's no doubt if you look at the few things that Joe Biden does tend to poll a little more popular with, it is those more traditional, more conservative uh, viewpoints. He doesn't have a lot of them. He's pretty much just— Not anymore. That's it, if he has any marbles left in his head. Yeah. He's kind of let the extreme side of the party uh, rule the roost. Uh, he's just done a continuation of everything that Obama had wanted to do. Uh, but at least Obama understood you had to be a little more measured about it. Uh, I, it's just amazing to me. I, I do think that no matter who they throw out, America's still going to vote with their pocketbooks. I don't think the abortion issue is getting the traction that they're hoping it would. I don't think the January 6th uh, issue is going anywhere because uh, I don't think anybody's actually watching it except for a few of us who have to talk about it. And even then, we're like, why did we watch this? We knew what was going to happen. So it, it's just astounding that it even looks like there's going to be a race, but do you really feel like, honestly, though, if Joe Biden's still capable of running, do they still toss him over? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I, we cannot have, even they recognize that we cannot have another four years of him. You know, Kamala Harris will toss her hat in the ring. It'll be a joke. If that's if she can stop giggling. <laughs> As you giggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, what about on the Republican side? Should Trump run? I mean, I think we're we kind of get the oh, feeling he's going to. Do you think he should? I I think it is a done deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going to put his hat into the ring. Uh, there is rumors that uh, Governor Yunkin out of Virginia has already been tossing it around. Uh, he's been traveling a lot out of state at fundraisers. He's been seen around there. He claims he's more concerned about the state of Virginia, um, but he's an up-and-coming superstar. He's not going to do it where he trounces on Trump. He'll try to do it without you know, causing any damage there, but he's going to put some fi- feelers out. DeSantis said if Trump runs, he's not going to. If for any reason Trump pulls his hat out, you may see DeSantis come in. And there's a whole bunch of others just waiting in the wings, too. There's a lot of rising stars coming up now in the Republican Party. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty clear if Trump does make it official, and again, I think it's all but a done deal, that that clears the field of most of the really good candidates anyway. I think they step back. Maybe a few of them try to position themselves for a spot in the next cabinet, uh, maybe a VP slot. Uh, Most of them just go about their business with what they're doing now and wait their turn. Uh, So we'll see some never-Trumpers probably get in there. I honestly do not see any never-Trumper staying in the race legitimately past Super Tuesday. I I don't – I think they – uh, the Trump easily wins two of the first three primaries, and then I think uh, Super Tuesday, 10 of the 16 are easy wins, and probably two or three more of them might be a little closer, but they're still Ws. And by that point, I think he's already too far ahead. But uh, agree or not agree, I would like to, to get your feel on that. But also, for America, do you believe Trump should run or should he maybe step back and let a DeSantis or uh, uh, somebody else uh, take a shot? Well, I have a lot of mixed feelings in my heart. I'm saying yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. If he comes in 
does four years, picking an excellent vice president that he can groom and hone and help to continue his policies for another eight years, that would be absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. That would then give us 12 years of Republican policy and maybe roll back and place into position legislation that will never allow our nation to sink as low as we have. That'd be fantastic. And and I would really love a shot at getting uh, maybe one or two more Supreme Court picks, too. <laughs> that would be really good. Yeah. All right, Annie, uh, you've been crazy generous with your time already, and I I greatly appreciate everything that you've been a big supporter and a big help of the show from the very beginning, Uh, and that's been uh, better than a decade now, Annie. Can you believe that? (laughs) That, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been going on 12 years now, Tim, 12 years that you and I have been doing this, and uh, I always say we're in the battle, so people like you and I, we should leave our ego at the door. And learn to work together. And I enjoy working with you and my other hosts out there. And, and that's how I feel. I tell that to my Tea Party people that I've been doing this now 13 years with the Tea Party. Leave your ego at the door and keep your eye in the game. Absolutely. Before we uh, part company, though, please let all the listeners know, just in case there's some naughty ones out there that aren't already listening, <laughs> uh, let them know where they can find you. Yeah, well, I have been off the last two weeks, but I am back tomorrow. Uh, They can find me uh, from 1 to 4 p.m. here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and oh, half a dozen other places. All they need to do to find me is to go to the name of my show, Southern Sense, as in Common Sense, and just put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. All right. And Southern Sense Talk Radio, one of the best talk shows out there, period. Uh, Forget categories. We're not talking about just political talk. We're not just talking conservative. We're talking period. One of the best talk shows, period. If you're missing out, I've been uh, scolding you for a long time now, listener. What are you waiting for? Go check it out. Annie, again, thank you so much. Keep up the great work, and uh, uh, can't wait till we get to talk again. Thank you, and God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ann Ubellis. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. state son to love the flag and own a gun warned about the greed within the mass they met beneath the moonlit sky a college party drunk and high and when they had degrees they said their vows he couldn't say when he couldn't say how he couldn't say why she was different in his eyes and had a kid tried to live like their parents did but both their parties taxed them close to death they learned
learn to hate the public schools. Watch TV making fools while trial lawyers looted what was left. She, she couldn't say when, she couldn't say how, she couldn't say why. He was different in her eyes. Saw them years ago, a happy little cabin in the west. They homeschooled on their farm, making so much more from so much less. They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. everybody the show continues uh ran a little long with the annie interview well the annie interview was a set time amount i ran a little long with the first segment because you know me i got started and couldn't stop and you know that allowed me to treat this uh more like a, a standard podcast instead of trying to divide up for radio uh the way we normally do with the reset of the hour because terrestrial radio all the stations typically only play the first hour anyway so I continued on. I've invited everybody listening on Terrestrial Radio to come find the podcast and get to hear the rest of the interview with Annie. And it gave me an opportunity to play the entirety of that great Matt Fitzgibbon song. So allow me to take this opportunity to invite you to go visit PatriotMusic.com, uh, where you'll find all of Matt's work. And there's a lot of great stuff over there. Uh, if you do stop by and decide to make a purchase, let him know I sent you. Uh, you don't get a discount or anything. I don't have any special coupons or deals and that we're not affiliates uh he's just a great guy uh he's been a guest on the show and uh you know at some point i would love to be able to get him back on he's a fantastic historian he's a tremendous musician and uh he's a genuine honest to goodness great person period love matt go check it out patriotmusic.com you're gonna love what you hear and uh you know show him some love and again, just let him know I sent him because I, he was nice enough to let me use some of his tunes here for intros and outros and this in between thing to reset and and uh, you know we've we've sat and we've discussed some of the songs before on one of his uh, previous visits. He's a fantastic. Guy. Just go visit PatriotMusic.com. Okay, what are you waiting for? Why, why haven't you done it already? Seriously. All right, let's <laughs> let's actually continue talking about stuff at this point. Um, a couple of other topics that I definitely did want to talk about. It appears that there's a lot of Democratic lawmakers that are pushing for student debt cancellation. It would appear that a good number of those folks actually still owe 
hefty sums of money themselves in the form of student debt, at least according to an analysis that was released this past Tuesday from the Daily Caller News Foundation. Uh, Investigative reporter Gabe Kranitsky with that reporting. Now, the analysis found that 13 Democratic members of Congress who have affirmed some type of federal student loan cancellation policy reported a total of $1.5 million in loans. Now, House members earn an annual salary of $174,000. Now, I don't know how much you're making, but that's way more than I'm making. Now, in the state of Tennessee, I'm making enough to be comfortable under normal circumstances, under the Biden uh, economy, the Biden inflation we're currently fighting, uh, that comfort level has disappeared. And at the moment, I'm barely uh, check to check, which is why I would love to be able to get you guys visiting some of these folks that I do have an affiliate uh, program with. That way you get something and the show gets some support. I would love for you guys to go sign up and join the Tap into the Truth Locals community, and uh, even a few of you sign up as supporters, and I start doing some more supporter-only content, uh, a little more direct interaction, a little more behind-the-scenes stuff, and get to know each other a little bit better than you already do. But if you're a long-time listener, you probably know me fairly well by now. Like you probably know, I just took a sip of one of my favorite beverages. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about a lot of money, no matter where you're living. $174,000 annual salary. And that's not counting any of their side deals that they've got going on. Can't talk about this topic without discussing. Uh, guys, uh, have, your, uh, have your alcohol ready. Without discussing Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now... Alexandria, she owes up to $50,000 according to the financial disclosures and said that uh, at the end of last year that she owes 17000 saying, quote, I'm 32 years old now. I have over $17,000 in student loan debt and I don't go to, I'm sorry, I didn't go to graduate school because I knew that getting another degree would drown me in debt that I would never be able to surpass. This is unacceptable. Uh, You know, you're right. That is unacceptable. And you know what's unacceptable about that, uh, AOC? If you're going to borrow money to get your college degree, you should perhaps be trying to earn your degree in a field where you're going to be able to make more than the money it costs you to get the degree. The fact that you chose to pursue a degree, that if you wanted to get a higher degree, you can't afford it because it's not going to pay you back. Well, that's a smart move. But if you're that far underwater already with just those bachelor degrees, and hey, Boston College, way to go, guys. Used to think you had a pretty good economics program there. Clearly, if AOC is one of your graduates, maybe it's not as good as we thought. Well, you know, just saying, maybe it was just a bad decision there, uh, Miss Ocasio-Cortez, <clears throat> a representative 
Ocasio-Cortez. Congressperson Ocasio-Cortez. I, you know, I, I do want to show the correct amount of respect because I, I kind of, and the off chance that she actually hears this, uh, which I seriously doubt she would ever spend the time, and I doubt anybody that uh, she knows would share this with her, but I would like to make the point to her that maybe there was a better way to spend that money. Maybe there was something she could have done that would have been a better use of her time and effort. Um, perhaps she could have went to uh, a school that maybe the reputation wasn't as good, but still would have cost a, a little less to get there so that you could have earned that money. But uh, I'm sorry, your annual salary right now puts you at a point where you should be able to pay off your debt rather quickly. So it actually did kind of work out for you, even though this salary isn't in your field. I would imagine using your degree in economics and in political science has put you in a position where you use that as a credential that qualifies you to hold the office. And if that's your argument – now, I would say it's not a very good argument because you still see yourself as being a socialist, and as a socialist, you clearly don't understand economics – so how did you manage to get your degree? I just uh, – they're legitimate questions, guys. They're legitimate questions. But if if that is the credentials you're using to qualify you to hold the office, uh, whether it's legitimate or not, then I would say you have actually managed to get a job in which you are making enough money to pay off your student debt. So problem solved. Pay your debt. Stop trying to put your self-interest ahead of the self-interest of the people. You're supposed to be representing a group of people, and you're supposed to be representing not just your constituent, although they're supposed to be your primary focus, but you're also supposed to be making decisions that's best for all Americans, period. You know, if you see something that comes before you that is really, really good for your district but not so great for America, it's forgivable – that you would still vote for your district because that's who sent you there. But when you see something in front of you that's not only good for all of America, but is also at least break even to kind of being good for your district, then you have an obligation to vote that way. And there is no way that somebody that actually has earned a degree in economics and understands how the economy works and understands the failings of both central planning and government-controlled economy, if you understand how those just don't work, then how could you ever argue against capitalism? I mean, legitimately argue against it. Now, you might say, okay, I'm in front of a crowd that this is what they want to hear, but that's not the vibe I get from AOC. I don't know about you guys. I get the vibe that she's all in on socialism. She would be all about nationalizing everything and then just destroying our economy as it exists now because they think they can make something better come from it. It's a misguided belief. Now, I love the idea of the utopia where we just all get along. Uh, the, the idea that the communists promised – as opposed to what we actually get every time you try it. And there's a reason why you always get the same outcome. And that's because if you tell somebody that they're going to get what they need, regardless of how much they put in, they're going to stop putting in 
much of anything. You're going to have a few overachievers here and there, no matter what circumstance you're in. But the majority of folks are going to be like, oh, you mean I can get all this stuff and I, I don't really have to do anything for it? Huh, fire up the Xbox, guys. I sit back and uh, they'll be delivering my flaming hot Cheetos and my uh, Mountain Dew Baja Gold here any minute now. It's just the way it is. And you would think somebody as young and hip as AOC would recognize that because she's got a lot of her peers of the same age and uh, younger and unfortunately also some slightly older that you know she's seen that. You know she knows that to be true. Now, if it was just AOC, this would be a very different conversation. She was just one of the more vocal folks. According to these same disclosures, fellow squad member Rashida Tlaib, she owes uh, somewhere upwards of $100,000 and said last year that she owes $70,000, saying, quote, I worked full-time Monday through Friday and took weekend classes to get my law degree. And still, close to $200,000 in debt, and I still owe over 70000 and most of it was interest. Well, that's the way most loans work. Uh, if you really, uh, Rashida, uh, AOC, any other Democrats that's listening, and hey, uh, any Republicans listening, if you really want to make a reform that's going to help a lot of Americans actually cash in on the American dream, uh, get some skin in the game, why don't you try to reform mortgages so that you're not paying all the interest up front? That way there's an actual advantage to paying early. There's, there's huge advantages. Even small amounts pay a little extra early. You know, just the interest, like most other loans. If you're talking about what you owe is mostly interest, then that's because you chose to make payment pattern in a certain fashion. Now, maybe you felt like that was the only way you did. Maybe you were the victim of poor money management. Maybe even the victim of bad money management advice from somebody, and you found yourself stuck before you could do anything about it. But again, I'm going to remind you, you're making a pretty nice salary now. The amount of money you owe right now that if... If you weren't worried about virtue signaling that you're part of the special class now, you really could pay off in a couple of years' time and still be reasonably comfortable in that time frame and then live really well. You literally could have took care of things within a, well, I guess actually technically could have done it in a single term since representatives get two years, right? Uh, I So far. Now, um, the spouse... Representative Grace Ming, Democrat from New York, owes up to $250,000, again, according to disclosures from last year. The lawmaker praised Joe Biden back in April for extending the student loan moratorium, something that uh, he didn't have the authority to do. The federal government doesn't have the authority to do. Uh, not at all. They can't just issue moratoriums. Since the government officially took over uh, pretty much all of the student loan business, uh, you can make an argument that they've got some level of authority there. But honestly, I think you can make a much stronger case that they shouldn't be in the student loan business at all. Uh, if you want to talk about creating grants for students to go to college, uh, that's that's another thing entirely. But 
to take over the student loan business. That was just a prerequisite for being able to to pull these shenanigans to begin with. But yes, yes, uh, kudos for extending the moratorium. First established under Donald Trump back in early 2020. So let us let us be fair and let us put blame where blame belongs. This is one of those bad Trump moments. There was good Trump. There was bad Trump. This was one of the bad Trump moments. Uh, yet, yet the lawmaker also affirmed that the nation must cancel student debt altogether in order for our country to thrive. Uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Now, if you wanted to go in and change what uh, rates, what the interest rates they're allowed to charge on student loans. In fact, if you wanted to make student loans interest-free, since the government's now essentially financing it anyway, I would be willing to listen to those arguments. I, I think you could make a reasonable argument. You might even win me over. You just might. If you're going to use taxpayer dollars, though, I really wouldn't mind them paying some level of interest. So there's a return on that investment, uh, especially considering that free money typically doesn't tend to be as valued by the individual who gets it. You know, if you earn that money, if you put sweat tears into getting that money, that's got a lot of merit to you. It's got a lot of value. You don't just easily let it go, and you don't just waste it. You're not frivolous with it. You find ways to better invest it, typically. Or you can be like a teenager and just, again, buy Twinkies and uh, Xbox cards. Yeah, whatever whatever it is they're they're doing. Um, it's it's just crazy. You, you got similar analysis to uh, this. Over the Business Insider that released earlier this year, uh, they were talking about 44 members of Congress listed student debt on their financial disclosures, uh, reflecting somewhere around 8% of the combined 535 members of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Just over half of the legislatures had reported their own student debt loans, while the rest had reported a spouse's debt or obligation co-signed on behalf of a child. So they are motivated to want to do away with the student debt, not because they think it will help America thrive, not because they're concerned about you and me, but because it'll make their lives a little easier. It's a matter of convenience, don't you know? Democratic officials have been debating over the past several months about the possibility of issuing widespread student debt cancellation. The Biden administration is, according to reports, considering a plan to cancel $10,000 in loans per borrower after making a similar promise on the campaign trail. Meanwhile, Senate Majority Leader Chucky Schumer, a Democrat from New York, he's argued that all President Biden has to do is flick his pen and erase up to $50,000 per borrower. Now, to me, that feels an awful lot like just more free money. It's... It is real money they're going to have to come up with otherwise, right? They are expected to eventually pay back these loans. Since the federal government's taken over student loan practice here in the United States, they've not been quite as aggressive. I mean, they kind of 
cherry pick. They do go after a few folks here and there, but they're not as aggressive as previous financial institutions that were conducting student loan uh, student loan business. They they they're not as aggressive in trying to collect. But uh, is is this really the route you want to go? We're already in an inflationary cycle. And any additional spending by the federal government, especially while they're spending more than they're bringing in, is only going to add to inflation. That's how that works, Joe. If you happen to be an average American out there that doesn't know a whole lot about economics, don't take my word for it. Do some research. You'll find out I am telling you true on this one. Uh, The government's policies started this inflationary cycle, and their continued efforts along with the Fed not really knowing what to do uh, is continue to make it worse. And you can come up with every excuse in the books that you want to. Oh, it's the Putin price hike. Oh, it's the Putin tax. Uh, oh, this information, this data, uh, is it's old data. It's not representative of the facts now. Gas prices are actually coming down. Uh, well, it's coming down a little, but it's still higher than previous to your administration. Uh, prices uh, higher than ever before. They're still historically high. Granted, they're uh, away from the peak, but they're still not below other presidents yet, Joe. So, you know, I wouldn't be bragging about it just yet. Why do these folks seem so determined to continue this spiral into economic doom? Well, it's because, once again, they're more concerned about their own well-being and they want to make sure they're okay. So, hey, yeah, let's erase student debt. All student debt. Let's not do any type of means testing. Let's not uh, see if maybe this is debt that belongs to someone who has an annual salary of over $100,000 a year. Uh, I did say annual salary, so that would be a year. I'm being a little redundant. I apologize. Two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, Schumer denounced the notion that student loans are, quote, not a problem that concerns the wealthy or the Ivy League. His argument is that all of these fat cats and people who never want to see help for working people and poor people come up with these myths, even though almost one-third of student debt is owed by the wealthiest 20% of households and roughly about... It's, it's, it's right about 8% is owed by the bottom 20%. Uh, this, according to the Brookings Institute, got no reason to think they would lie. Now, Nancy Pelosi, she uh, rejected the idea that Biden can single-handedly cancel student debt because uh, every now and then some semblance of how the government's supposed to work uh, occasionally occurs to her. She's literally forgotten more about the federal government than most people will ever know. So so every now and then, a random memory of how things used to be, how things are supposed to be, will pop into her head. Uh, She basically says that the idea that he can do it on his own, that's kind of crazy. And the idea that uh, student debt cancellation is prudent in the first place. She, she, believe it or not, actually came out kind of against that. She said, suppose 
This is quoting Nancy Pelosi. Suppose your child at this time does not want to go to college, but you're paying taxes to forgive someone else's obligation. You may not be happy about that. Ding, light bulb. <laughs> I, I got to say, one of the few occasions that I find myself in agreement with Nancy Pelosi. Suddenly I feel dirty. I need a shower. I think I'm going to have to take a break while I get cleaned up after that. Just one last uh, point on this matter. The Biden administration has eliminated roughly $26 billion in student loans already, especially for students who attended for-profit colleges that have shut their doors. So it's not like they haven't already tried it. Expect to see another round before the midterms and yet another round after that right before the uh, next federal election uh, cycle that includes the office of president, uh, presuming that Joe Biden is still in place. Uh, you're definitely going to see it if a different Democrat manages to be in charge because, uh, let's face it, that's really about all they got. All right, you guys stay right where you're at. I'm going to take a tiny little break, and uh, we'll be back on the other side, you know, because that's what we do. Don't go anywhere. Stay right where you are. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Many Americans are continuing to leave high-tax states like New York and moving to lower-tax states like Florida and Ohio. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. As sovereign Americans stream out of California and all high-tax states, I find it alarming that the Biden administration and other extreme leftists like House Majority Leader Chucky Schumer are all proposing to raise taxes on wealthy, productive Americans, which is basically increasing the already high degree of punishment against those who succeed in society. Even more egregious is the Biden plot to slap a 3.8% income tax increase on the earnings of small businesses. Already, at least 45% of small businesses have been shuttered due to the fake science based lockdown during the Corona China virus scandemic. Some economists have predicted that up to 65% of all small businesses may shut down unless there is a quick reversal of Biden's already enacted oppressive regulations and executive orders. If the Democrat socialist pigs have their way, Americans who want a better life may soon immigrate to less oppressive nations. I'm Ron Edwards. Brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. I'm so tired of trickle-down economics. And I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. 
You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. has all been done before. And you know what else? Uh, Joe is absolutely right. He shouldn't have been making that kind of money. I just shouldn't. But you know what else uh, Joe's not right about because Joe hasn't talked about it? Under the Biden economy, you probably need to take a drink, maybe even more than one. Uh, if you're like me, that means you kind of partial to bourbon and if you're partial to bourbon let me tell you something the award-winning bourbon homegrown boone's bourbon uh, brought to you by tyler boone uh, singer songwriter american extraordinaire um it is setting the bar most reasonably priced high proof bourbon you're gonna find literally 117 proof it's got a 75 corn, 21 rye, 4% barley makeup in the mash for a very unique flavor. They are just literally, literally setting a new American standard for bourbon. And they're made in, it's made in South Carolina. Very unique. Most bourbons, you think of bourbon, you're typically thinking Kentucky. There are some bourbons made here in Tennessee. Uh, South Carolina hadn't been in that game. Not too many other states making bourbon uh south carolina has its first and it is a big time one let me tell you something if you're a fan of bourbon you need to check out boone's bourbon if you go to your uh, establishment where you purchase spirits if they don't have it if you can't find it ask for it and if it's still not available in your state because they're available i think right now in about 22 states uh, then maybe you're lucky enough to live in a state where they can ship it to you. So then you can visit the link that you'll find in the show description, and you can uh, possibly get it set up to be delivered to you. Uh, unfortunately, if you're here in Tennessee, uh, only wines can be shipped uh, as far as alcoholic beverages are concerned. Uh, so uh, you, the people shipping it has got to have a special license, all this, blah, blah, blah. So sorry, you're out of luck. But there are places in Tennessee, it is one of the places it's available, uh, it's just freaking awesome. So, again, I recommend, highly recommend you give it a try. Because, like I said, if you like high-proof uh, bourbons, you're going to love it. If you're a fan of bourbon, period, uh, for a high-proof bourbon, uh, the, the price point is hard to beat. I, I don't think you're going to beat it. Not at the high-proof. Some of the lower-proofs, maybe. But you got to pay for quality a little bit. And this is a quality drink. Boone's Bourbon, winning awards everywhere, fantastic. Uh, just follow the link in the show description, or if you don't have a show description in front of you, visit tapintothetruth.com, and once you are there, go to the uh, Friends and Sponsors page. Uh, there you're going to scroll down, you're going to see a listing for Boone's Bourbon, and you can click a link there, or you can just go to Drink. BoonsBourbon.com. Uh, that, that is the link that will take you there. Uh, not an affiliate, uh, not making a big-time cash over it, but I do own a small equity stake in the company, uh, just for full disclosure. Uh, not a particularly large stake because, you know, let's face facts, I don't have the money to, to invest a whole lot right now, but I saw this as a great investment. I didn't want to pass up on it. Uh, it's great stuff. Plus, I 
kind of find myself digging Tyler Boone's music. Uh, more and more, I've been listening more and more to it. It's got a, a true bluesy feel to it. Uh, he's uh, an American original, guys. And uh, if nothing else, stop by Spotify and check out uh, Tyler Boone's music. And uh, again, check out the bourbon. Uh, it's great stuff. Great stuff, I'd say. All right. So with that being said, uh, we've got a few minutes left. I'm still going to try to keep this at right about the two-hour mark. So uh, we got at least one more topic that I need to try to sneak in. I'd really thought about two, but time has gotten away from me. And so I've got to make up my mind whether or not I want to talk about uh, Lori Lightfoot's imagining that the economy is great the whole time – Businesses are leaving Chicago left and right, some of them over the economy, some of them over lockdown crap that seems to be coming back uh, because Democrats won't let it go, and some of them because of uh, you know just individual safety. That's happening a lot in uh, Democratic-controlled areas. Uh, do I want to talk about uh, House Democrats blocking a GOP measure to try to prevent expansion of the Supreme Court? It seems like an important topic, but also seems like exactly what we would expect from the Democrats in the House. Uh, the Republicans want to try and prevent expansion from happening because, uh, let's face facts, if they do that, uh, our republic is officially dead. Uh, Republicans trying to, to make their move. Democrats, they're not real sure if they want to pack the courts yet or not. Uh, the political office holders, there's plenty of leftists that want them to. Uh, but uh, the one thing they do know with with full certainty right now is they do not want to let the Republicans do anything to stop them when they decide to make their move. Uh, we got Jim Jordan leaving the door open uh, to uh, possibly impeach Merrick Garland, which I think is totally, uh, totally worthwhile. We got the producer price index hitting 11.3 percent. Uh, wow, that is crazy high. We got an ex-CIA programmer accused of leaking data to WikiLeaks that's been convicted in an espionage case. We got Pope Francis saying that Biden's claim that he's a, a Catholic while supporting abortion is incoherent. Uh, that's certainly worthwhile. We talked a little bit last uh, time we got together about LeBron James uh, wondering if a certain... WNBA basketball player that's being detained in Russia should uh, even want to come back to the United States. Well, kudos once again to uh, our uh, good friend in the NBA who's changed his name to Freedom. We're talking about Enos Cantor Freedom, of course. And uh, he basically told... uh, LeBron, that uh, you're welcome to leave. Technically, he said, you're welcome to leave, buddy, but I I like the idea. You're welcome to leave anytime you want to. Um, What else? What else? What else should we? Uh, You got AOC claiming that uh, January 6th was an inside job and government actors were involved that helped the January 6th protesters get into the building. And it's a building still not safe. Wow, AOC sounded a little bit like a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. Let's let's talk about Janet Yellen. That, that, of all the things going on, uh, let's let's stay on the economy. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Thursday of this week—that means it actually happened today, time of the live broadcast. 
said that inflation is unacceptably high. Well, there's a newsflash for you. She, of course, said this after another decimal price level report came out. Uh, the consumer price index that I just mentioned, it rose 9.1% between June of 2021 and June of 2022. So year over year, up 9%, just a smidge more than 9%. This, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, Yellen reacted to the news ahead of a meeting with other finance ministers in Bali, Indonesia, according to CNBC. I said, quote, we're taking our own steps, which we believe will be supportive in the short term to get inflation down, particularly what we're doing on emergency prices and the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Again, this is Yellen talking to the press. Uh, and again, I'll remind you that tapping the Strategic Petroleum Reserve just because the prices have gotten high is a dumb move. It's a very short-term effect and a very minor effect at best. It doesn't really change. It doesn't really affect fuel prices that much. And if that's all they were doing, that would be bad enough because emergencies could arise. We may need every drop of oil that is currently, or was previously, in that strategic reserve. But you see, that's not what they've done with the oil they've released from the strategic petroleum reserve. No, no, no. They've sent it to Europe. And they've sent it to China. Utilizing a company in China that just so happens to have very strong and direct ties with Hunter Biden. Ooh, surprise, shock, gasp, egads. Where are the mainstream legacy reporters investigating that? Where are they screaming from the rooftops so that all Americans understand that we're literally letting our emergency reserves be shipped to a geopolitical enemy of the United States just so the Biden crime family can uh, foster a little more influence, possibly get a little more money uh, from China uh, since China's getting most of their money from trade with the U.S. I, well, what are you going to say? Conflict of interest much? Uh, anyway, back to the uh, back to the story. Rising energy costs are responsible for roughly half of the consumer inflation last month, during which national average of gas prices surged to over $5 per gallon. Depending on where you're at, you may have seen prices much higher than that. Uh, for example, if you're one of the listeners in California, you're probably still hoping to see $5 anytime soon. It's tragic, but that's where we're at. Another Bureau of Labor Statistics report that was released on Thursday showed that the producer price index rose 11.3%. just mentioned that in one of the other headlines when we were trying to decide what the last topic was going to be. This, of course, was year over year as well from June of 21 to June of 22. A phenomenal – a phenomenon, I should say, a phenomenon driven almost entirely – by higher energy costs, a phenomenon driven by Joe Biden's decision to, within minutes of having taken the oath of office and then moving to the uh, little office space he has at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, squashing the Keystone uh, XL pipeline. 
because that was step one of putting fuel prices where they are now. Step one. It wasn't the only thing he did, but it was the first thing he did. And it signaled to the entire industry that, uh-oh, folks, uh, if you're in the fossil fuel industry, why do we still call it the fossil fuel? We know now that fossils has nothing to do with this fuel, or at least those of us who understand science do. Uh, there's still some Democrats out there. I, I think uh, Miss Harozo from uh, Harona, or again, I'm still mispronouncing it, and I really don't mean to. But uh, <laughs> chick from Hawaii that's in a running gun battle for dumbest person to hold elective office at the national level ever, uh, with folks like Hank Jones. Well, you know, Guam might tip over if we put too much on it. Uh, that's that's still going to be hard to beat. But uh, Maisie. Uh, that's her first name, and I guess I'll just call her Maze. Uh, <laughs> Maisie was uh, – she's really trying to, to go for broke with this uh, stupidity. Anyway, anyway, alongside Yellen, Joe Biden himself pointed to the historic release of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. He's bragging about it, folks. He's bragging about one of the dumbest things we could possibly do. But he bragged about this historic release, meaning that our our strategic reserve is probably at the lowest level, the most depleted it has been in the modern era. The modern era, now the lowest level. But he did this. In response to the inflation news, although releasing one million barrels of oil per day was marked by the White House as an unprecedented move to provide a historic amount of supply, the Americans facing high prices, a report from Reuters recently showed, that at least five million barrels of oil were exported to European and Asian nations during the month of June, including to a Chinese firm with links to Hunter Biden. Gee, I've already said that. I'm sitting here reading this article, and I'm ahead of the article. Now, here's the thing. Yellen also said that she would endorse any actions taken by monetary policymakers at the Federal Reserve. What else is she supposed to do? I mean, it's not like she could stop them anyway, right? She's just going to, I'm going to endorse a Whatever, whatever they want to do, I'm good with it. Okay, it's fine. What does that matter? What does it mean? Does it make a difference? Not really. She continued by saying <clears throat> that, uh, quote, we're first and foremost supportive of the Fed's efforts, what they deem to be necessary to get inflation under control. Now, the central bank has recently opted to raise interest rates. Some of you are already feeling the pain of that. Uh, they've decided to do it at large increments, some of the biggest increments we've seen in a long time. Remember, money's been free for a long time. These interest rates have been very low. Most recent move was to increase the rate. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, couldn't quite hit the button fast enough. Uh, most recent rate increase was an increase of 0.75%. So three-quarters of 1% rating, which is huge compared to what they had been doing. But it's nowhere near big enough. Their idea here, their plan is to try to, to gently pump the brakes on the inflation and try to have a soft landing, try to avoid 
uh, a full-out recession, try to avoid uh, hurting people a whole lot. Granted, they know they're going to have to do more. But this is an effort to try to make sure that they do at least their part in preventing a complete and total shellacking of all Democrats everywhere in the upcoming midterm election. Don't think it's going to help much because they're not doing enough to stop it. Now, what they're going to have to do is raise rates a lot more, which is going to hurt people a lot more. But that's where the pain comes in. That's how you stop recession. Once they've started it, it's the only way to stop the inflation. you got to take money out of circulation, stop the chasing of uh, goods with this money. Fewer goods with more money chasing it. That's, that's what they've got to stop. Now, that three-quarters of a percent rate hike, that represents literally the boldest move to combat inflation in nearly three decades. So after moving uh, the rates to near zero levels in response to COVID and uh, then the lockdown-induced recession, uh, the current target interest rate is now somewhere between 1.5 and 1.75%. In response to the most recent inflation report, there's a lot of analysis to believe that the Fed could raise uh, raise these uh, rates by 1% later in July, meaning this month, another 1% increase. Now, the market appears to price in a 0.93% rate hike. According to CNBC, uh, they believe that this price in is coming because there is a historic trade-off between unemployment and inflation. So further moves to, to battle rising prices will likely lead to higher degrees of joblessness. They gotta take the money out of circulation. And that's one way they do it. Yellen recognized that Higher interest rates could also impact other nations. Oh, no, say, uh, quoting her now, on the one hand, it can it can strengthen their ability to export, which is good for their growth. On the other hand, to the extent that countries have dollar-denominated debt, it can make those debt problems, which already are very severe, more difficult. So over the past year, the exchange rate between the dollar and the euro has dropped from 1.22 per euro to $1 per euro, meaning it was worth 22 cents more than a dollar. So according to Bloomberg's, uh, higher interest rates cause more demand for the nation's currency on foreign exchange markets while making other nations export less expensive. They've come pretty close to being even this past week. It's scary stuff. It's all scary stuff. But you know what? We do have options, ladies and gentlemen. Stay in the fight. Don't take your eye off the ball. Don't get caught up in just the uh, culture wars. We need you fighting the culture wars. Don't, Don't make a mistake about that. But don't get caught up just there. We need policy hawks, too. And it used to be the focus of this show, and I've kind of gotten away from that. But during a recession, which I think we're already in technically, but we're not going to officially know it till the numbers come out, 
during time frames of such economic upheaval, we need to be focused on policy, good policy. We need good policy. You're not going to get that from a progressive. You're not going to get that from uh, the the majority of the office holders at the national level with a D at the end of the name. Yeah, I have a hard time getting any of that from somebody with an R at the end of their name these days. So guess what? It's up to you and me to hold our elected folks accountable, period. Give us some good policy. And like it or not, that means we're going to have to do our homework. We're going to have to start reading some of this stuff, too, so that we know when we're being bamboozled, guys. As I always say... Yeah, do your own homework. And that's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for staying with me till the end. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Annie. And uh, hope you'll come back and listen to the next broadcast. I'm planning, expecting to have Ron Edwards on next time we get together. Uh, so uh, that's what we'll try to do. In the meanwhile, as I just said, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, Use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And meanwhile, one final message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go.
is using both hands. <laughs> 